Hey everyone, this is Jamie Austin, pastor of Woodlake Church. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Woodlake, head on over to woodlake.church and enjoy this message. Good morning. Welcome to Woodlake. How are you guys doing today? Glad you guys are here. I'm not Pastor Jamie. The shock on some of y'all's faces is funny. I'm Kendall. I'm one of the pastors here, but uh, honored to be speaking with you today. Pastor Jamie and his son Wyatt are on their way to South Africa right now. They actually board at 10 o'clock. Are their flights at 10? So they're probably already on the plane. I'm sure he's watching online. Have fun. We love you. Forget about this place. Focus on ministering to everybody there in South Africa. So, is Pastor Jamie and Jen not absolutely amazing? Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, if I've not got a chance to meet you yet, my name is Kendall. Uh, my amazing wife, Rachel, is here, and she is way better than I am. And that's our three sons. They're pretty cool. So, two of them are here. One's uh, in Indiana. So, Dennis, you said you're watching online. You better be right now. In two days, well, wow, excuse me. In two days, I'm trying not to get choked up. June 1st will be our 10-year anniversary of being on staff here at Woodlake. So, I grew up in the church. I know most of you guys, you've changed my diapers. I promise I wasn't going to cry. But anyways, you guys make this place special. And I, it's an honor to invite friends. It's an, it's an honor to invite people from the community because of you guys. You make it special. So, mic drop. Okay, <laughs> we're in week two, mic drop, and it's just major statements that people make, and then they drop the microphone whenever they're done, and they exit stage right. And so, if you weren't like me and raised in the 80s and 90s, whenever this became a, a cool thing, I'll, uh, I'll read the, the definition for you. It's an instance of deliberately dropping or tossing aside one's microphone at the end of a performance or speech one considers to have been particular impressive. So um, whenever we were talking about doing this series, it reminded me immediately of an OU basketball game back in 1989. And some of you guys are like, what in the world? But I was watching this game with my dad back in the day, and uh, OU was really good at basketball, and they were playing Missouri. And they were playing in Norman, and it was a huge game. It was a rivalry game. Uh, and like any team that you root for, the refs were having an off night, right? Have you ever had that moment where the refs are always against your team? No matter who you root for, the refs are always against you. Well, this is how it was. There was a record crowd at Lloyd Noble Arena. I mean, all the emotions were there. And OU is down 21 to 8 right off the bat. They're losing, and the refs are not helping them out any. So it's 21 to 8. They throw the ball in. OU has it, and they get called for traveling awful call. I could tell from, you know, that 8-bit TV that's probably a 22-inch screen, you know, as blurry as all get out, but I could see he was pushed. It wasn't a travel. Well, so did the fans. The fans went nuts. They started throwing stuff on the court, and they had to stop the game, and they actually gave Coach Billy Tubbs a technical foul because they couldn't give a tech to the crowd, so they gave it to the head coach. So Ed Hightower, the referee, approaches uh, Billy Tubbs and says, hey, you need to go address the crowd, get on the PA mic and address the crowd, tell them to stop. 
throwing stuff on the court. And he's in Billy Tubbs. If you guys know him, he, he's not a rule follower kind of guy. And he said, That's, I'm not going to do that. That's not my job. And he's like, well, if you get another technical, you're out of here and you're kicked out. So he begrudgingly went to the PA microphone and he picked it up. And I wrote it down because it's really good. He essentially blames the refs that he has to say this. And then he said, regardless of how terrible the officiating is, do not throw stuff on the floor. And then he tossed the microphone down. <laughs> the crowd went crazy. They went nuts. And it changed the game. Immediately, there was a technical foul, of course. And so they got two free throws. They hit them both. So now they're up 23 to 8. But OU goes on a 29 to 8 run right after that. And it changed the game. At halftime, it was tied up, and by the end of the game, OU won 112 to 105. And you say, okay, so that's a cool mic drop moment, but how does that, how does that apply? Well, here's what we're hoping and what we're praying and why we're doing this sermon series is because we believe that these mic drop moments that Jesus shares will change our perspective, that will help see us, that will encourage us, that will change. If we're going down a path that's bad, this can get us to go good. And so we're, we're praying that these, these Bible stories and these verses will change our trajectory and that we will end. Because this is not a sprint, this is a marathon, and so we want to make sure that we get where God is calling us to go to. So last Sunday, Pastor Jamie talked about murder and anger and how in our anger we should not sin. We, we can't let the devil get a foothold in our lives. And then he reminded us also that reconciliation is our responsibility. Romans 12.8 says we should live at peace with everyone. As long as it depends on us, we have to live at peace. And so today we get to tackle something that we love to talk about, you love to talk about. It's absolutely amazing and just we want to spread it all over the world. I am 100% lying. <laughs> today we're talking about adultery. Praise the Lord. But I believe this could be a mic drop moment. And before you tune out and be like, well, I'm not there, so I'm good. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us today. So let's start reading Matthew 5, 27. It says this, you've heard that it was said you should not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole body to go to hell. Now, the world where we are now, and we could even fall in that same realm, is everybody tries to find the loopholes in everything, right? We try to find gray areas wherever it can. Even inside the church, we try to figure out where the line is, and we get our toes all the way as close without going over and be like, well, at least I'm not there. That's how we live. But in this mic drop moment, Jesus is saying something different. He's taken away all the wiggle room with adultery. He's taken away all the gray areas, and he's making everything black and white and saying, hey, if that is an issue, if you're even looking lustfully, you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. And this example stretches our thinking because it's like, well, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm not having an affair in my marriage, but what am I looking at? What's in my heart? And this changes everything. 
So when Jesus is addressing this crowd of people, most of them think through the normal adultery lens of what it means, a consensual sexual relationship between a married person and someone other than his or her spouse. And they were thinking, I'm not there. But Jesus says, well, let me, let me drop the mic here and say something strong and say something that takes away the wiggle room and takes away the gray areas. So here's the first thought today if you're taking notes. Number one is sin starts in the heart. Sin starts in the heart. It says in verse 28, I tell you, anyone that looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. What are you feeding? What is feeding you? What are your wants? What are your desires? Maybe what are you more, um, more prone to, to doing with your life, with your, the time that you're away from work? What are you watching? What are you filling your mind with? What are you looking at? What are you hiding from your spouse? What are you hiding from your parents? What do you think you're fooling God with? What has captured your heart? Matthew 6, 20 says, Matthew 6, 21 says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When looking at this scripture uh, in one of the Bible commentaries, Martin Luther was quoted as saying this, What a man loves, that is his God. For he carries it in his heart. He goes about with it night and day. He sleeps and wakes with it. Whatever's in our heart doesn't just go away. It's there 24-7. Sin starts out small. Have you guys ever realized that? Sin starts out really small, but then it multiplies in our heart. And before long, something that seems so simple, maybe was just one degree off, Several weeks, months, years down the road, all of a sudden it's a, it becomes a huge issue. Hidden sin spreads like a wildfire. Now I know it's much easier said than done, right? To get rid of something uh, that maybe we struggle with. And, and maybe you're like me, you've cried out to the Lord, you say, God, help me with this. Help me to stop looking at this or help me, get me away from this. And it's hard to change. But that doesn't mean we have to give up. And that doesn't mean that this is just who we are. I heard this said before. It said, they, this, this pastor said this, we have to pray like it depends on God and act like it depends on us. It's both and. We've got to pray and we've got to change what we're currently doing. It's both and, not either or. Let me break it down like this and make it a little more simple. If you're wanting to get healthier... You don't just stop eating bad things. You start eating good things. You start exercising. You start changing what your intake is. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians 4.8. It says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. We have to push past what the world is feeding us. We have to push past what that video on YouTube or TikTok is telling us. We've got to push away from the world and we have to pull in and allow the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us, to feed us. We have to allow the Bible to feed us. We have to allow Jesus to change our lives and not the world. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, 
Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Don't let them be a living or let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is my favorite thing right here, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We need to, remove, we need to renew our mind. We need to renew our hearts. Jesus used extreme examples of gouging out eyes and removing limbs. And his intention is to show us how extreme we need to take sin and deal with sin, especially sexual sin, especially adultery in all its forms, not just the definition of it, but what Jesus was sharing, even looking at a woman lustfully or looking at a man lustfully. And this brings us to our second thought today. Sin needs to be severed. Sin needs to be severed. It talks about gouging, cutting off. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this, run, or some versions say flee from sexual immorality. This is not something that we walk up to the line and say, well, I'm not going to cross there, but I'm just going to get really, really close. We cannot play with fire. Five years ago, almost to the day, our family was blessed to be able to go to Disney World. We went with my parents, and they blessed us with an awesome, awesome trip. We knew we had to maximize this trip. It was going to be once in a lifetime. <laughs> my kids are like, bruh, come on, Dad. Five years, they've changed a lot. But we knew this was our one shot at Disney, and so we hired this Disney consultant, this trip advisor, and so she mapped out every single day, told us what to do, down to telling us which line to check in with, which one to scan our passes at. It was impressive, but the thing that she used the most was she said, get to the left of the sidewalk and walk to the back of the park as soon as you get there and work backwards. But she didn't just say, get to the left and walk. She said, walk with purpose. And we used that all trip so much, they were so angry with me. Because I was like, walk with purpose, let's go. <laughs> we still use it to this day. So if you ever hear me sometime, I'll be like, hey, let's pick it up. Walk with purpose. They all know what to do. They're like little chickens. Like, <laughs> but this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, hey, walk with purpose. Run, flee from it. We can't hang out with this thing. Let's not... Let's not dip our toes in the water. Let's get out of here. Let's flee. Let's run. Let's get to the opposite side. One Bible commentary said this, How do we get victory? By purifying the desires of the heart. Our appetite leads to action and disciplining the actions of the body. The eye and the hand are usually two culprits when it comes to sexual sins, so they must be disciplined. Jesus said, Deal immediately and decisively with sin. Don't taper off, cut it off. Spiritual surgery is more important than physical surgery. The sins of the body can lead to eternal judgment. Verse 28, looking lustfully. 
that doesn't just mean accidentally seeing or something pops up on your screen or, you know, oh, I didn't want to see that and it just happened. It's talking about staring. It's talking about looking with intent. It's talking about going back and taking a second look. It's talking about intentionally choosing to look. But Jesus is saying it's different. And in the words of the great theologian, Bob Newhart, it's two simple words. Stop it. Stop it. And Jesus is the same. Stop it. That's what he's telling us. Stop it. I know that's easier said than done. Stop it. Put it to death, Colossians 3, 5 says, Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, put it to death. doesn't say rock it to sleep. Put it to death. Romans 6, 11 says this, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. This is where it gets really good. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. I know a lot of you guys are, are thinking and saying, well, this is what guys struggle with. The numbers are different. Ladies, you're struggling with this as well. The world is feeding us all these immoral things, and we cannot be caught up in it. We have to cut it off. We have to sever it. Sin has to be severed. But we also can't be used as an instrument of wickedness. I'm going to go here for a second, okay? I want to walk a fine line. Before you leave the house, you may need to look in a mirror and say, am I honoring God with my body? Am I trying to get people to look at me, or am I trying to point people to Jesus? Like I said, we don't like talking about this stuff. But we've got to be different than the world. And just because the world says it's okay, and these special things make it okay, stop it. Moving right along, as a kid, I was what may be considered an accident-prone kid. I broke a lot of bones. My mother ran me over with her car as a toddler. I had stitches, I broke multiple bones, I did all the things, okay? I was full throttle 24-7. I'm sure you guys find that hard to believe. Everything healed up nicely until my junior year in high school. And we were playing football one Sunday morning after church with the youth group here at Woodlake. And it had been raining, so it was a little bit muddy, and I was like, man, I don't have my football cleats, because this was in the middle of football season, they were at school, but I said, it's not baseball season, I have my metal spike cleats. I'm thinking, as a 16-year-old kid, I'm going to be smart, I'm going to wear these metal cleats. Very first play of the game, literally, I promise, I'm not lying, very first play of the game, 
I jump up for a pass, my legs get tangled up, and I cut myself. Not even somebody else, I cut myself. It's pretty impressive. I mean, big time wound. And I'm like, oh my goodness. My first thought was, my parents are going to kill me. My second thought was, Coach Adams is going to kill me. So they take me to the ER, and they stitch it up. And they fix it up. But what happened accidentally was it was so muddy and dirty and my spikes went so far into my leg and it was so open that, sorry, there's some people shivering. Yeah. I opted not to show the picture. My wife shot that one down. But a little piece of something, whether that was dirt, grass, I don't know, remained inside my skin and we didn't realize it. Within a day or two, fever started. Swelling started. Over the next week, I was going to the doctor every single day, and they were putting Sharpie on my leg and marking where the infection had spread to. They were trying medications. They were trying to give me different things. It kept spreading and spreading. Finally, we went to the doctor uh, in the afternoon, and they said, uh, we want to do surgery right now. We want to take him back. Give me an hour. Let me finish up. He, he came out of surgery. Let me finish up this surgery I'm in. And then we'll get Kendall back there. And my mom said, can we wait until the morning? And the doctor said, okay. So we went home. Mom called everybody she knew at Woodlake. Some of you guys were receiving into those phone calls. And you guys prayed. My youth pastor, uh, Dave Muvern, came to the house, prayed. And the next morning, miraculously, it was in front of the Sharpie line. And the, the infection was starting to go the other way. But I tell you this, God can change things, number one. But number two, hidden sin or hidden things that, that get in your leg cause infection. And it doesn't just heal up like normal. And this is one of those things. This doesn't just heal most of the time. This is something where, where we need to attack it and we need to sever it out of your body. And we need to take margin and get it all out. And you may even need some people to walk alongside you to help you. But sin, especially se sexual sin, but sin in general will take you further than you want to go and it will keep you longer than you ever imagined. It needs to be severed. And if you're struggling today and you feel like, man, I've prayed those prayers. I've had an accountability partner before. I've done that. And it feels like God is just kind of non-existent right now. It just feels like my prayers are just hitting a ceiling and bouncing right back. I want to encourage you. I had those prayers. I prayed those things of God, help me with this or help me with that, whatever the case may be. And it felt like God was, was just distant at the time. But I've served the Lord so long now and I'm so old now, according to my kids, that I've been able to see God at work. In times when I thought he was absent, he was working the entire time. Some things that I prayed for God to take me this way, it took me a different route. But you know what? God's hand was in it the entire time. So be patient. 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes, pray without ceasing. Because God never fails. He cares completely. He is constantly, consistently there. And you can reach out to him. I want to give you three quick action steps today. Write these down, put these in your phone, 
there, there are three real quick things. Number one, be accountable. Be accountable. Find someone that will hold you accountable. Find somebody that will be a coach, not a cheerleader. Coaches can cheerlead when they need to, but they can also give you a swift kick in the pants when you need it too. Rick Villarreal, I haven't seen him yet this morning, but I had helped him out a few times and, and I had said, hey, man, come on, you, don't worry about it, let's go. I had to give him a swift kick in the pants. Then it wasn't a few months later, he was like, hey, what's wrong with you, man? I was like, I don't know. He's like, there's something wrong with you, you're off. So I go to him, I was like, well, we'll talk after church. I go to him and I tell him what's going on and he's like, suck it up. He's like, that's it? Come on. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess, I guess it is okay. We need those people. That, we need the Rick Villarreal's in our life. They're like, stop it. Come on. Find a coach. Find somebody that will speak the truth in love. That's what helps us become a mature believer. Number two, be aggressive. Just like Jesus said, cut it off, gouge it out. If your issue's tied to your phone, chunk it, take it back, get a flip phone. If it's an app, if it's social media, cut it off. Be aggressive. If you're watching stuff in your bedroom, get the TV out of there. If your home computer is in your bedroom or somewhere else, take it out, put it in a public space where the, the screen faces everybody. Take it away. Be aggressive. Run, flee from it. Who cares what people think? And number three, be committed. This thing's a sprint. Oh, this thing's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Be committed. Stick with it. The cool thing about this is God brings conviction. And in conviction, it leads to action. It leads to forgiveness. The devil brings about guilt, condemnation, fear, hopelessness. That causes us to stall out of that helps us and, and causes us to stop before going and continuing and being committed. Let me say it this way. Conviction from the Holy Spirit is kind of like a GPS. A GPS doesn't say, hey, stupid, you missed your turn. No, it's like, hey, at the next safe spot, turn left. At the next available moment, do a U-turn. It auto-corrects us, and it gets us back on path. The path is not the goal. The destination is the goal. It may not look like how it started or how you, you wanted it to be, but it's going to get you there. It's going to auto-correct you, and you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do that and lead you like a GPS and be committed. John 6, 16, says this, in me you have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. The Warren, Weir Warren Wearsby Bible exposition commentary said it this way. The contrast between in me and in the world. In Christ there is peace. In the world there is tribulation. This is the position we need to claim. We are in Christ Therefore, we can overcome the world and everything it has to offer. We have hope. 
be accountable, be aggressive, be committed. I don't know if we've ever done this in church, but I, wanna, I want to ask you to take action right now. They're going to put a number up on the screen, and this is a confidential number. But if you're dealing with any part of this, whether it's at the beginning stages or whether it is just, you, it's off the rails and you think there is no hope, there is no getting away from this, there is no uh, coming back, I believe there is. This says there is, and this is our guiding coalition. So I want you to take a step in faith today. The number is 918-992-3410. If you're a guy, I want you to text the word brotherhood. If you're a lady, I want you to text the word sisterhood. And we've got uh, some people that are going to help you. We're going to have some of the pastoral staff call you. And we're going to have somebody come and walk alongside you in this process. This is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And we want to help you. And we believe that the Lord can change whatever's going on in your life. The good, the bad, the ugly, that's what family does. And we're family. Romans 3.23 reminds us we've all made, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of the, glo the glory of God. That's all of us. That includes every single one of us. And whether you're completely enveloped in an adulterous affair or whatever's going on in your life, maybe it's just those looks, maybe it's those second glances that you're trying to deal with. All sin is is just simply separation from God. And sometimes we can feel that hopelessness, but that doesn't come from the Lord. That comes from the devil, from the enemy. And you say, well, it's pretty bad. I don't know what Jesus would think of me. I don't even know if he would forgive me to begin with. Well, the Bible talks about this in John 8, verse 3. And it reads like this. It says, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her. And then he, he stooped back down. At this point, those who heard began to walk away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Another translation says this, maybe you're more familiar with it, says go and sin no more. Today I'm asking you to boldly leave a life of sin. Today I'm asking you to sever sin. Today I'm asking if sin has started in your heart that today's the day that you sever it. Could, today could be the mic drop moment where you say, not today, Satan. 
and drop the microphone. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But God sent his one and only son, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians, it says, He who knew no sin, Jesus was without sin, became our sin. He took on my sin, your sin, the good, the bad, the ugly. He took it on. But the hope that we have is in Romans 10, 9. It says, if we confess with our mouths and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And regardless of how bad your sin is, it does not matter. You can find forgiveness and healing. And we want to walk alongside you today. Because I believe Philippians 1, 6, you make that decision today. And I believe that it's true. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it on to completion, to complete it. So with everybody's eyes closed and your, your head bowed down, I just ask if, if that's you here today and you want forgiveness of sin, you've allowed sin to creep into your heart, today is the mic drop moment for you. And so on the count of three, I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand. We're not going to single you out, but we are going to pray a prayer out loud. All of us are going to pray it. You won't be singled out, the only one praying it. We're going to pray this prayer together. So if that's you on the count of three, and you want to change the trajectory of your life, now is the time. On the count of three, raise it high. No one's looking around. One, two, three. Raise it up. Let me see it. I'll acknowledge it when I see it. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? We've had multiple hands being raised today. So let's pray a prayer together, a prayer of forgiveness, a prayer of hope, a prayer of faith that is rising. And for those of you that raise your hand, those of you watching online, we want to come alongside you as the Woodlake family. And we're believing that today you're walking out of here much differently than the way that you came in. Repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, you are the Son of God. You died for me in my place for my sin. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. And from this day forward, I'm all yours. Walk with me. Help me. Have the Holy Spirit help me so I can be more like you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. At Woodlake Church, our passion is to help you connect with God, find your sweet spot in ministry, and grow in your faith. Everyone is welcome at Woodlake. If you've never been to church before in your life, or if you're a lifelong Christian, Woodlake is a place where you can experience real and lasting spiritual growth. Music is upbeat, the messages are straight from God's Word. They're very practical. We also have great programs for infants through 12th grade. I mean, we have something for everyone. Come check us out this weekend. I promise you'll be glad you did.